Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. its own traditions in our lives, but, um, you know, if it's in the Bible, I'm going to do it. Uh, I've heard that so many times, you know, and it's just not associated with just one denomination and everything, and I go, wait a minute, (laughs) no, (laughs) you know, okay, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's that, uh, you know, well, really, we don't. We don't really do uh, that which we think it's in there. And then it comes back to this. What's the best way to read the Bible? How are we really supposed to read it? If we're supposed to understand the word of truth and God wants to give us revelation, uh, what's the best way to read it? And actually, Jesus provided the answer. Um, Someone in our small group this morning was talking about this, had just read the story of Emmaus Road. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, can you imagine such a cataclysmic event? that was going on, you know, and that Jesus wasn't just raised from the dead, like people saw other people walking around. Uh, I don't know whether it was in the spirit form or what it was, but uh, can you imagine, can you imagine the stunningness of that, of going, uh, going to the cemetery where they had buried him and there's an angel hanging out there and going, yeah, he ain't here. It's just like, what? And then him showing up and revealing himself to it. And the devastation that was in their hearts because they were sure that he was the Messiah and then he dies. And then you see a man who is dead and, and three days later and he's standing in front of you. And then he is able to, I know I'm putting a lot of little stories together. How do you like to have been in that room when he walked through the wall? And then that's it. We call him Doubting Thomas, you know. And then he reveals himself to him, you know. You know, unless I put my hand in his... He goes, oh, really? Here. You know, lets his hand get... Doesn't get upset. Just lets himself get closer. Here, touch me. Okay. Really, Thomas? Put your, put your hand right inside here. Okay, buddy? They must have been stunned. Changed men and women talking this morning in there and then you know just before he ascends so I'm giving you a lot of little different information of how the Bible reads before he ascends he actually is speaking to 500 people 500 people listen to him and he tells it look uh, I'm going to go away and it's really important that I go away and oh by the way there's a promise coming to you that's the Holy Spirit Go to Jerusalem and wait on me. 500 people, right? You know how many waited? 120. 120 did it. They watch him go up in the clouds, you guys. And 
you go, oh, I guess uh, it's, it's springtime. I better go plant the wheat. Really? I, you know, it's strange. what we're, We just pass things off. And uh, well, I could really guilt trip you with a message over that one. I don't know how he felt towards us on 380, but uh, oh my gosh, we can just pass over things, no pun intended, and not let them be important. When they're really important, the best way to read the Bible, just like when Jesus was raised from the dead and shows up to his disciples, is the same way that Jesus told them then. He provides an answer. So it says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, the risen Christ, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Those are two extremely important words. Because he didn't talk to them about Moses. He talked to them about himself. He didn't talk about the prophets and what they, he was saying, I'm what they were prophesying. That's how we're, that is the basis for which we read all of scripture. Not just the New Testament, when we go back and read the story of Adam and Eve, we are supposed to read it understanding that that concerns Jesus. Remember when he was walking around in Jerusalem during Holy Week, and he, he really uh, confronts the different religious leaders. And he said, you search the scriptures. And all of that is about me. And I'm standing right here in front of you. It goes right on by now. Um, we can tend to do that today with our Bible. We can read a story and... and uh, for years, I didn't understand this uh, in that I studied the life of David with a group of other people, and I would hear people pray this prayer, God, give me a heart like David had. Get, let me, you know, I'm going, no, 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 David was fickle, and he was completely broken. You don't want a heart like David. If you want to be like anybody, be like Jesus. Give, give me that heart. Give me that understanding. And so we have a tendency to, to not take into ourselves exactly what it is, and, and especially this week, Holy Week, what it means. Jesus didn't talk about those things and explain anything except him. We don't need a better understanding of Moses to understand God. We need a better understanding of Jesus understand what Moses was doing about God and what God was doing to and through Moses, the prophets. Um, so here, here's the real question. What does the scripture mean in the light of Christ in his work? Now, in reading the word, it's not something, you should, don't go through a religious exercise, but also don't read it like it's a novel. It's not a novel. It is a story, but it's actually a revelation 
of what God wants us to understand about him. And remember this, the written word reflects, points to, and gives an understanding of the living word. And when we come into new covenant, new understanding of reading your Bible, you read it through the power of the living word. The living word that is Jesus now lives in you and I. You have the living word. So when we read things like in, in Hebrew, in Hebrews 4 when it says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, that is referring to Christ. That is not referring to your Bible. It's referring to the, the living word of God that's in you. He says, oh, and it's powerful. Yeah, it's God. It's, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? This is a stunning thing. God lives in it. And that's right. Then when you read what Paul wrote and said, we have this treasure, the living word, in earthen vessels. So there's still a measure of weakness in that my flesh is weak and imperfect, but God lives in me. If there's anything that needs to be celebrated this week, it is the preparation of this earthen vessel that God wants and continues to make his home with us because that's the new covenant promise. The new covenant promise is that he would dwell in human flesh. Stunning, isn't it? So you see, all scripture, and we looked at this last week, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the person of God, man of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work. And then we went on to uh, Romans 15, and I'm reading this quickly because I want to get to the meat of the next part because we looked at this as, as, as for review. For whatever things were written before, he's talking about in the old covenant, were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Whenever I read, um, like when you read the Psalms, do they produce hope in your life? Most of the time, but some of the time I don't understand when you, you know, break the jaw of my enemies. I go, mm, yeah, I don't. Uh, and then I decide which <coughs> human beings are demonized and are enemies of me. And usually they're either your boss or your, you know, something strange. Then he says this, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus, according to the living word, that you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible was written in such a way that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, it says, to confound the wisdom of the so-called wise. The Bible contains scriptures. And by the way, the way we have it today, with it's, it's wonderful because it helps us with memorizing and, and some understanding and everything. But chap, 
chapters and verses, those didn't used to be there. Okay, that, that wasn't there. So you read the Bible. It's really interesting if you get a version that eliminates uh, the chapters and verses and then read it, it. I don't know why, but it reads so differently because we've taken that and we've parsed it out. And then we pull out one sentence to make meaning to us, but we've lost the meaning by pulling it out of the meaning. You get what I mean? We, we do that. How, how this scripture and how it can help me, the one thing that we have to look at in reading our Bibles is understanding the cross. That's why this time of the year, I don't know why that's cut off. The cross is the key. And before the cross, God related to the children of Israel through what? Yeah. Through the Old Covenant and a conditional law-based performance. Now, so that was found not only in the Ten Commandments, so they were commandments, uh, but there was also additional later, there was a whole bunch offered some the numbers change with depending on who you're reading. About 613 of them, commands that they were supposed to keep. The reason the cross and the resurrection is the key is this. If you look at that and that covenant, and why I want you to switch to have new covenant eyes when you read, is before the cross, the people were blessed if they obeyed, and cursed if they didn't. Find that in Deuteronomy chapter 11. After the cross, we are blessed because Christ obeyed. Stunning. It's a complete change. How so? Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. From the time he was born, he didn't grow into it. He, this is going to be mind-blowing. He was the perfect law of God embodied on the earth. He obeyed because he couldn't do anything else. It was not within him. Now, he could have chosen disobedience. But God sends him to the earth at this time that we celebrate the year. And everything that he teaches about, you have to understand, his whole, when we read the Gospels, the, the Gospels are not the New Covenant until you get to a certain part in the, new, in the Gospels, the part where he died and was raised from the dead. There's an intersection that happens, and the covenant changes. So that's why on the cross... You'll look at it in your readings this week if you read about what happened during Holy Week and everything. At the cross, he screams, it is finished. It is finished. And he was bringing clothes. You see the promises that he gives just before that happens. And the promise is this, is that I'm going to fulfill something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to fulfill law. I'm going to die and I'm going to raise from the dead. And you will no longer relate to me through the law. You will now relate to me 
changed everything. He made a new covenant. So when you read, one of the things I'd encourage you on reading is read John chapter 14 through 17. Read it with new covenant eyes. That he was proclaiming something. I'm going to do something that is completely different. And I'm going to give you a new commandment. Does that mean that the old commandment is done and we have no part of it? No, it's fulfilled in Christ. It is completely fulfilled. The you shall love the Lord your God is fulfilled in Christ. Not, not something you have to do now. Something he has done and gives you as a gift. And you will do it. Does that make sense? It's done. And he, man, when he's teaching, Brenda and I talk about this all the time, he ramped it up. I mean, he gives the law completely. He explains the law to the people who thought they understood the law. Uh, so you see the teachings, the, the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And I want to come back to that before the cross. The law was a shadow. Jesus was the reality. So when we read Matthew 5, listen to this. Let me jump ahead. Do not think, so this is the, still the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but fulfill. He didn't get rid of anything. He fulfilled everything that was said, everything that was required. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot, not one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Guess when that happened? Good Friday on the cross. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What he did allowed an entryway into heaven. What it did was create an entryway in you so that heaven would come live in you. He ramped it up. So he says stuff like this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not kill your brother. I tell you, if you call him a stupid person, you're guilty. He, take, he takes the law and takes it because it's perfect. He takes it to the nth degree and fulfills it. Completely within himself. Not one, not, not a comma, not a comma was left out. 
in what he did. He brings that. Why did he do it that way? Because there was a break. It becomes complete. He fulfilled it. And it's actually, now think of this, it's actually God that enters into a new covenant with God. Son to Father enters into a new covenant and gives it to you as a gift. He completes it because you couldn't. Isn't that stunning? Every time you feel, when am I going to get this right? Do you ever do that? How many times am I going to do this same stupid thing again? He completed and took away the stupid so you could be smart. He took away the incompleteness in your life so that you could be complete. He does not want you to go back and say and look at the law and say, I can't do it again. He goes, I know. Help me to do this. Guess what? He did it. That's how he helped you to do it. Your recognition is there is a wholeness and completeness in me now. And I am like Christ. Therefore, I want to be Christ-like. I am in him. And he is different covenant. It's not conditional anymore because he met all the conditions. Well, shouldn't we obey? You will obey. You, you will obey. Follow after your true identity. And when you don't, a way was already made that changed it. He was the perfect one who did everything to make you complete. Before the cross, Adam's sin meant condemnation for everybody, Romans tells us. That's in Romans 5, verse 18. But on the cross, our sins were taken away. And there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's stunning. When you start living in the new covenant, it does something that empowers, doesn't just allow, it empowers us to live godly here on the earth. Before the cross, God was distant and unapproachable. Do you remember Exodus 19? <laughs> you could, no one could even touch the mountain. was torn at the Holy of Holies in the temple and we were brought near to God and now we can boldly it says approach the throne of grace where's the throne of grace this is the stunning of how we read in the, in the new covenant it's here um, this is mind blowing before they used to have to travel a long ways to go to the place where God dwelt in the temple. And he wasn't always there. He was only there some of the time, and that's if they did everything right and did it at the right time of the year and did it the right way. 
when it was really scary. You know, have you read have you read your old covenant? You know, they tied a rope around the priest that went into the Holy of Holies because if he didn't do anything right, he was toast. But you know what the rope was for, right? Next! Who wants to be high priest this year? Got any sin in your life? Anything you want to talk about before you go in there? For you wake up tomorrow morning and you we sang it you say one name Jesus he's there in him we live move have our being but what about what you did the night before in him we live and move and have our being and he goes take it out of the way your conscience may testify against you but this is what it says he didn't bring your heart to says 1st John when your heart condemns you he's taken it out of the way this is the glory of this new covenant so when I read my Bible guess what I want it to expose in me the new covenant Jesus when I when I read all that it's pointing to who lives and that he did it completely. Um, I've had it so strange that if we don't relate to God by this incredible cross thing that we celebrate this week, listen, you'll, you'll, you'll pray prayers, and I've done this, so this is me telling on me. I used to find Old Testament scriptures to pray that God would do for me, and that what God would do in me. Pick any of them, but I used to hear this one a lot. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. He did. I'm, at, I'm praying a prayer that he already completed. He rent the heavens. He came down and he rent the earth and the stone was rolled away. And he rose from the dead so that you're justified and don't have to pray, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come into my earth. He did. He did. How should I then pray? Thank him for what's done. I thank you, God, that you did rend the heavens. I don't, it's not a forward event anymore. I'm not going to. This is a wonderful thing. It's wonderful to have hope in God and look forward to stuff. But listen, so much of what I used to pray was already accomplished, and I didn't understand that. And that's why I want you to read your Bibles with new covenant eyes. What used to be conditional over promises, it says this in 1 Corinthians, is now complete and is yes and amen to you. I have to seek God for an answer. God is the answer. Now, I know there's stuff in life where we just don't know, and we kind of got to know. You want to know whether to take this job or that job. And I don't want to belittle the importance of your job, but you have Christ in you. Trust. Trust over that job. He'll lead you to the right place that you're supposed to be. Well, shouldn't you ask? Yes. 
once had bloody knuckles where it said Aspen Keep Knocking where it ran down? Really, the answer was no. And that's okay in God. You ask your friend, can God say no to you? Has he said no to you? Do you know why? He is will. He is going under the new covenant. He is going to form his will in you because he lives in you. Really, the operation is learning how to dance. I got this person to teach me how to dance when I was in seventh grade, and she was an older girl that was babysitting younger kids, and we had our first school dance. Now, many of you did this too, I'm sure. It was like teaching a rhinoceros how to dance. Awkward and gangly, just like every other junior high boy gets. So, you know, let's see, we're all out of here. But, you know, my hands were too big, my feet were too big. Uh, everything, everything, including my ego, was way too big. And it was just so awkward. But this babysitter, her name was Ruth, and she took Randy Black and Gary Brickman and I. And so we were so scared about going. It was the first school harvest dance. I wanted to dance with Mickey Morgan so bad. She was so cute. Blonde pigtails and stuff. Well, it lasted about two weeks, by the way. Then you got the ultimatum note later, you know. You know, when you got the note that said, are you my, you know, check yes or check no. You know, funny what the kids do. It's all legalism. Ruth was so patient. She was so kind. I don't know. She must have been 18, 20, you know. Uh, she wasn't particular. Like, I wasn't enamored with her. But she taught me how to move my feet. And this is what she kept saying to me. She said, it's okay. You're going to be okay. It's real simple. Just help me teach that. I, I don't think I could handle anything more than that. What I really wanted to do was, that was the days of wipeout. Yeah, wipeout. And I wanted to do like, you know, <laughs> my friend Stuart Lank, and he could like rock and roll like everything. I didn't have enough courage to do that. Kids have more courage today, and everybody thinks they can dance. I couldn't. But she was patient and kind with me and kept saying the same thing, and she just kept putting on that same sweet love song. All three of us boys, she patiently taught us how to dance. That's how we read our Bibles. It's a dance that he's already, he knows the music. He understands the time. Matter of fact, he's the band leader, for goodness sakes. And every time that you miss your simple timing. You go, no, 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 no. Here, like this. And that's how we're to read the scriptures. Because he fulfilled even the writing of the notes on the music that we're to dance to. Does that make sense? Ours is to fall under his arms and trust him. When I read my Bible, I say, man, this, 
is this for me? Who's this too? And I'm in his arms and he can whisper into my ears. I tell you this, in a non-silly junior highway, <laughs> me, Bethania, you think through your whole past, all the, all the futility of the mistakes that you made, all the Mickey Morgans that you thought you liked and didn't like, all the stuff. He's got you. Listen, don't read the New Testament to figure out which note goes where. Read it to find out, I've got you, Jesus. Come and dance with me today. You're mine. I'm the best part of you. Come and dance. Let me take you in my arms. Dance is like this. That's how we're supposed to read them. Well, I missed that step again. Where are you, God? Those aren't new covenant eyes. New covenant eyes is, man, I want to learn how to get this step right or get to my knee on this. Come dance with me, Jesus. I'm not a rhinoceros. see something now. This is why it's important that you read it this way. The old covenant operating system was the law, and the application to make it work was obedience. The new covenant operating system is grace, and the application that makes it work is faith. When I read the Gospels now, when you read the Gospels, how he wants you to read them is to see that he was perfect and that he did it all for you and he kept it all from you and that he died for you. But he didn't just die for you. He was raised from the dead, not for him. He did it for you. Raised from the dead for you. He is in eternity now for you. Remember the old John Wimber Vineyard song? Is it? I used to sing it and go, I'll do everything for you. Now when I, I was singing it to this group, the Lord said, that's what I sing about you. Can you hear that this morning? singing, just like he promised in Zephaniah, oh God, that you would sing over me, because I am. And it's you. It's you why I did this. It's you. I did it for you. You get that out of Holy Week? What a Holy Week. You might become a Holy Terror. And to quit reading it through old covenant eyes, you'll never achieve it. You'll be disappointed all the time. You'll always be disappointed because the law ends up in one thing. Death. That's why it says in Romans, 
he died once for all. When we read our Bibles, it's to live, not die. So why do I want to read it through the ministry of death? I want to read it through the ministry of life. And that's what Romans 8 says. So I just got to jump and I want to close it with this. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. Because this, now Romans 8, if you can get this this morning, why it says what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now listen to these next two verses. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law was perfect. The flesh was weak. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. That the, you got to hear this. That's the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And later he says, how do you know if you're in the Spirit? Have you received Christ? Stunning. That's the, in a nutshell, those first four verses are the new covenant. You couldn't do it because you're weak and imperfect. I was perfect. I did it. Now here's the gift. Why are you condemned? You are not designed to live as a condemned being. Why do you try? It's just like those prayers. Oh, that you would rend the heaven. Why are you praying those prayers? Celebrate and dance with the one who brought you. Celebrate the dance. This is the dance of eternity. And he wants you to read it that way. And not searching the scriptures to find out what else you need to do. Searching the scriptures to find out what he did on your behalf. And he gave you a gift. Dear Lord. You know, the reason I say I'm not a rhinoceros, because he does. sons, and I don't know why they just use the sons, they're like daughters, that he might bring many sons and daughters into this. He is the firstborn to bring many. So me. Guess what? You're not going to stand a while against the wall waiting for somebody to come up and ask you to dance. No matter what your hair looks like. Listen, there's one other simple way of understanding this. The voice of heaven coming down to you. I love 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 you. 
love you. I love twins. I love you. You are so blessed. You got a twin. So what's the heart response and the deeds? This is the requirement now. This is what he said. This is the new commandment. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not conditional. Guess what? If you love him, guess what you're going to do? You will keep his commandments. Because it's Christ we're communion with. What's the voice of the Spirit saying today? I love you guys. It still resonates from heaven and inside of here. All we're to be is an echo chamber in the dance. That's the new covenant. That's what we're supposed to live in. The other way is you trying to make it up within yourself. And Romans says you can't do that. The flesh is weak won't work. It's a non-operating system. You don't need to get rid of Windows 96. It doesn't work on the internet anymore. It's obsolete. It's over with. Same with the old covenant. You can't use the law to be right with God. It's obsolete. It's over with. There was one sacrifice for the whole eternity. And many are the children I mean, I know this is not the normal, but I feel like I have to bring this up. As a congregation, we get the opportunity to respond to what we've just heard. This is the most explosive, phenomenal thing we could ever behold in the whole universe, right? Like, my heart is about to explode because, again, I'm hearing the best news in the universe. So I just want to say thanks back to Jesus. So if you would just join me in your heart and form your own explosion of thanks. But I felt like in hearing this, I needed to repent. Because if I don't, I'm going to blow up. That could be messy. Father, Father, we hear this and our hearts go mad with joy. Our minds go, this is almost unthinkable. And it's the truth. And in an age of so many lies, we receive the truth. Lord, we, do, we receive it with deep humility saying, we need this truth. We need this. We needed it. And we have it. We receive it. We are in you, and your word says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The old covenant is obsolete, and the new covenant is firmly embedded in our hearts. And not only that, we are seated 
at the place of authority of the universe in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places because you did this for us. You gave it all and then gave it to us. So I just want to say thank you. Words can't even begin to explain the gravity of what I feel in joy and in peace and in a big whew, good thing, good thing you did that because I didn't have a hope and I do now. I have all the hope in the universe. So thank you for what you did and may your word t continue to just blast through us with an understanding of this covenant that you did with your father and then gave to us so that we could be partakers of the divine life of God. You are in us. We are in you. Thank you. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Would you stand and just cross the aisles and hold hands?